TheOAMNetwork.com. Power to the podcast. Welcome to the Bike Nerds Podcast, episode 49. This episode is brought to you by Saris Cycling Group. For over 25 years, Saris has been designing and manufacturing bike parking and infrastructure products to help cities, neighborhoods, businesses, and schools become more bike-friendly. Saris collaborates with architects, city planners, and transportation engineers to ensure that their products are some of the most durable, innovative, and intuitive products around. And for as long as Saris has been making products in Madison, Wisconsin, they've been standing shoulder to shoulder with many of the Bike Nerds guests in supporting efforts to make bicycling more safe, fun, and accessible. Why? Because Saris believes a better world includes more bikes. And this month, they're giving away 25 Saris parking water bottles. Whoa! Sarah, uh, have you um, looked in your cupboard lately? Cupboard, that's like a southern word, I think. Um, and... Checked out the condition of your current water bottle stash? Um, I actually struggled with this today because I need a water bottle and I have just one left because I lose them. But I guarantee you I wouldn't lose a Saris parking water bottle. I'd hang on to that one tight. Oh, I th- that's interesting. You lose the water bottles. Oh, I leave them like just behind me on airports at meetings. <laughs> just little paths of Sarah's water bottle. Um, Sarah. I was, sort of, I was sort of imagining that you were going to tell me that there's like 37 water bottles in your cabinet <laughs> because everywhere you go, you get a new water bottle. Um, yes. And I was going to ask if you were ready to take the risk of getting some sort of crazy disease because you haven't used a water bottle in a really long time. Maybe you're holding on to the memories of that water bottle. Uh, maybe you're also holding on to botulism in that water bottle. <laughs> Or maybe, you know, the lingerings of some camping trip that you went on are still left in that water bottle. Uh, Whatever the reason, whether you're like Sarah, where you have mistakenly placed all of your water (laughs) bottles or like me, where you have way too many and you're not sure that they're still quite safe. uh, This would be a great way for you to win a brand new free water bottle. Disease free. Um, you could tie a little rope around it. Yeah, attach it you to could your put finger. a little beacon, a beacon, so you don't lose it. Oh yeah, like GPS tracking device yeah. on your water bottle. Uh, to sign up to get a free water bottle, you have to do this by March the second. You can visit sarasparking.com slash bike nerds. Again, that's sarasparking.com slash bike nerds. Enter your email address uh, to win a free water bottle before March second. Thanks, Sarah Cycling Group. I will say Sarah does a really good water bottle. I actually just remembered I have another water bottle somewhere in my house. It's from Sarah that I think we both received when we were in Vancouver for pro bike people places. (laughs) Oh, that 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 event that you went to. That event. (laughs) You mean the pro walk, pro bike, pro place? (laughs) Yes. It's so tough. It's it's a long name. (laughs) I like it. It makes you feel positive. Um. You know, when we moved to Colorado, I did a water bottle purge um, and it felt good. 
I'm a big proponent of purging in general, yeah. so I can imagine it was probably a very refreshing experience. Yeah, I would Do say. Do you carry a water bottle when you run? No. Or ride a bike. Is that terrible? <laughs> um, I guess. I mean, I feel like if you were to bike like 50 miles, hydration feels. Yeah. But I guess I'm not doing that very often, right? Yeah. Yeah. But even in like Memphis, you know, when I was there riding to and from work every day in the summer, um, I had a, I had like a commuter buddy, um, Kermit, my, my friend Kermit in, in, uh, in Memphis and Kermit always had water and he would always, uh, make little digs at me for not having water. You know, when it was like a hundred degrees outside full sun, um, it's just not, it's just not something I ever really got into the habit of doing unless I was going to do like, like you said, like a 50 mile ride someday. Yeah, I'm the same. I don't have to like when it's hot outside, I just want to get where I'm going. I don't have time to like take a break and yeah. get water out of my. Yeah, it's kind of how I feel. Kind of feel like if I haven't hydrated before I need to make that trip, I'm probably not ready to make that trip. And, you know, that's just how it goes. Wise words. Kyle so, but I mean, what, here's, but here's what that leads to, right? It leads to a cabinet full of water bottles yep. that I never use. I never pull out because I'm almost like, I'm, I'm just almost never using them unless I'm doing something special. And when we moved from Memphis, we were getting rid of a ton of stuff, um, mostly because we were moving from like a bigger house to a smaller house and we knew that all of our stuff wouldn't fit. So we were getting rid of like, you know, like big furniture, pieces that we just didn't need. Mm-hmm. Um, and we opened like the water bottle cabinet and it was like, Whoa, look at all these water bottles. We've got aluminum ones. We've got plastic ones. We've got BPA free ones. We've got ones that probably have BPA in them. I don't know. Um, (laughs) probably, you know, know, what was interesting was they all, they all sort of had like a story to them. Like there was, there was a memory of mine attached to each of those water bottles, even the ones that were like super grungy and super dirty. Um, it's like, Ooh, I'm probably not ever going to drink out of this again, but I remember like the time that we used this and how it got super dirty. Um, but it didn't, it didn't feel bad purging, uh, 75% of my water bottles. No, I'm glad you did that. That makes me feel better. Yeah. Now, now the ones that I kept just sit in the cabinet here. Um, so it's not, <laughs> you just move them. They just moved locations. Yeah. It's all I do is just move water bottles. Um, around, <laughs> we've used them a few times when we've gone on hiking, right? And, you know, that up, feels up into the mountains, yeah. Um, to avoid having to drink out of like the mountain stream or something like that. Um, what's your water bottle collection look like? I think I currently have two to three water bottles in my possession. Hmm. I'm going somewhere today with a water bottle on a bike, and the yep. chances of me leaving it behind are high. So I may end up with one or two by the day's end. Have you ever been tempted to? put something other than water into the water bottle uh do you know me yeah wine goes in water bottles a lot all right (laughs) i i have this weird thing where i desire something else to drink other than water like if i was going to go like hiking or for a long bike ride or something but i have a real i have a real aversion to putting anything but water into water bottles for the sake of not contaminating the water bottle for all future uses. I agree. I would like just to pause and say that you sound like a robot. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe robot. it's my headphones. Robot Kyle. Welcome. Welcome humans to the bike nerds podcast. You're kind of back now. The contamination I feel like is a very good point. I actually have never thought about that. 
Yeah. Do you ever like taste a little hint of wine later on after you've used your water bottle for wine? No. Because hmm. you're, you're thorough at cleaning a water bottle. Yeah. Or I've lost it. <laughs> That's right. You've never had the actual opportunity <laughs> to double check because the water bottle yeah. might just have disappeared at some point. <laughs> because maybe, maybe as in part because of the wine drinking. Yeah, probably. Um, that's fascinating. Yeah, you know, I just, I just can't ever bring myself to write like, put like juice in one or you know, like Gatorade or powder. I'm just, I'm just worried that I'm just going to taste that stuff for the remainder of the lifetime of that of that water bottle. Maybe it's just because I don't clean them well. Yeah, I mean, I think I, it's a worthy fear. I think there's products that you can like purchase, right? That like, clean, yeah. clean water bottles efficiently. Is do you have a lot more swag in that vein now that you work for people for bikes? Um, I would say that I have access to more swag, but the amount that you take home is really up to you. It's a, Good it's point. A, it's What's a, the best? It's a matter. Swag it's a matter of self control. Um. Oh, that's a great question. You know. Thank you. At the end of the year, our some of our team. Did sort of like a, an inventory of all the people for bikes has swag, first of all. Right. And so we have like a swag room where we keep like T-shirts and water bottles and other sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, dog leashes. Uh, um, Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and. They did like a clean out and an inventory of that room. And then they also, at the same time, did like a you know, a clean out of other swag that had been sent to people for bikes, but hadn't been claimed by somebody at some point in time. So in the month of December, there was like this table in the office and it was like free stuff. Take it home. Uh, I got like a really nice like polo shirt and some t-shirts and a wool cycling cap. So I have been doing our last guest, Aisha McGowan's do better together challenge this week. Yeah. How's that been going? It's been going really good. I've biked since Monday 30 miles. Whoa. Which for me is like kind of an accomplishment. Yeah, that's more than I bike in a week. And my goal is 40, and I'm going to bike to Shelby Farms and back today. So I'll exceed my goal. Yeah, you will. <laughs> um, you like go but there. It's been- you like ride there and be like, no, I'm done with my challenge. I'm going to Uber home. <laughs> How do I get back? <laughs> I'm just Uber home. Um, but it's been really fun. Like people like, like your, there's I think 30 people who are doing it this month mm-hmm. and it's been a lot. I've mean, just really enjoyed it as like a incentive for me and seeing like where other people are biking. People are like taking pictures and attaching them to their route. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for March. I may are do you- like, 45 miles in a week or something crazy. These rides that you're doing, are are you finding that these are rides that you're having to sort of fit in extra to sort of your daily schedule or are they, are you working them into sort of your daily life so that they're, you know, continuous with what you were normally doing before? Basically into my daily life. So I've commuted more to work Mm -hmm. and I think I'd maybe go like a longer way if I'm like going to a friend's house or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like last night I was, at had like was biking around with a friend. We were like, we should go downtown. And we were like, well, we should just bike downtown instead of figuring out another way to get down there. Mm-hmm. So it's probably a combination. 
Well, and then today's like Shelby Farms ride, probably, you know, maybe not a ride that you would just pick up and do on your own. No. Yeah. Um, you thought it would be hard. I thought it would be really actually like difficult, but it actually hasn't been hard at all because a, I think I probably bike more than I think I do because I just don't pay attention to it. And so Mm -hmm. logging it with Strava has been an interesting exercise. Yep. And it's just, it's easy. So I'm hoping that it'll like kickstart on me now that the weather's getting nicer, commuting more and just getting back in into the groove. So what's like the longest like single bike ride that you've been on? I think it was probably like seven miles. Okay. One and, way. Okay. And then you turned around and came back. Yes. So today, so today's journey to Shelby Farms Park might be one of the longest ones this week for sure. Yeah. Interesting. And does it, and so does your challenge, does it up the mileage that you're supposed to complete every week? No, I get to choose. Oh, you're in control. I'm in control. So I guess, and it's like you have 10 day segments each month. So in Mm -hmm. March I may do 45. Wow. And I'm now I'm going to challenge myself to do at least 40 every week throughout the rest of the month and into March. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. It's also pretty easy in a city like Memphis where the places that you're trying to get to are pretty far apart. Oh, yeah. You know, just in, just in general, like, you know, my my commuting experience in Memphis was almost five miles each way from my from my home to the office. And, you know, all things considered, that wasn't a really long commute in Memphis, um, particularly for bicycling. And so when you try to go to places, you just you are naturally sort of traveling longer distances. Whereas here in Boulder, you know, my commute to work is less than two miles and everything that I need is sort of along that route. Right. You know, the grocery there's a grocery store along the way. There's restaurants and pharmacies and convenience stores. Anything that I sort of need between home and work is sort of all there. And so I'm doing I think I'm doing I know that I'm doing less bicycle riding here in Boulder as a part of just daily existence than anything that I ever did in Memphis. Yeah, that is kind of interesting to think about as you're in a more livable place, but you're biking less, but it's because you're living in like a lived environment to make things easier for you to navigate your life. Yeah. Yeah. It's more convenient. So more convenient. So, you know, so the act of sort of riding for recreation, I think takes on sort of a new dynamic, right? In that, it has to, it, it's a bit, in, it's a bit more intentional than I feel like it was when I was living in Memphis, where if I want to go for a bicycle ride just for fun, it's something that I have to sort of plan and do. And I have to sort of figure out where I'm going to go. Um, whereas in Memphis, I never really had that desire, a real strong desire because I was already traveling so far just for commuting purposes. Um, I didn't do a ton of sort of recreational riding while I was in Memphis. Do you think you'll do more recreational riding now once it gets nicer out? Uh, that's a great question. You know, the other, the other, I would say the other sort of variable in that has been kids. Yes. Um, yes. My recreational riding in Memphis also dropped off pretty substantially once, once we had kids as a part of the equation. So, you know, to the degree that my recreational riding can include the kids in some way, shape or form, I would say yes. And we, we did a pretty good, a, amount of that when we moved here last summer but you know 
pushing two kid kids in the cargo bike up some of these hills here in Colorado is pretty tough. Sounds you know, tough from here. Yeah, pulling the kids <laughs> in a trailer or in a seat uh, on the hills of Colorado is pretty tough. Um, so you know the the distance that I travel it is becomes pretty limited, and the routes that I can take are pretty limited to avoid some of those. Um, you know, Ethan's riding a bike now. So, you know, to to the degree that my riding is sort of matched to his ability to climb the hills now. Yeah. There's there's a a whole the kids sort of like ruin everything in your life in in general, but especially, (laughs) especially your bicycle riding. (laughs) I also this week have like a friend of mine has let me borrow his cycle cross bike. Yeah. And I have like never ridden a nice bike in my life. I don't think Mm -hmm. like a truly like bike men to like go faster or like move your body in a way where you're like distributing weight. Like I have a cruiser and I have like a hybrid Cannondale I've had forever. And so it's been fun to try out his cyclocross bike. And then he has like a road like race bike as well. Mm -hmm. And like you can go so much faster and it's so much easier to ride. I feel like I've been living in this like just this <laughs> world that I didn't even know I was in where I'm like grinding down Peabody on my hybrid bike when like last night I was just like, I feel like I'm on, like on a magic carpet ride or something. Yeah. It's, you know, it's pretty amazing. You know, I'm, I'm sort of of two camps here, right? One camp says a bike is a bike, right? And that, it doesn't matter what kind of bike that you're riding. Um, this was part of our philosophy at, when we were running the community bike program was that it doesn't matter what kind of bike you're riding. You can maintain it. You can keep it in good order. It can get you from point A to point B. Um, I, I think that's that's really true. And it doesn't matter you know where you buy your bike or how much it costs or how much money you sort of you know spent in sort of customizing it. That being said, you know certain kinds of bikes. Um, do make a difference in terms of your efficiency and your enjoyableness. That's not a word. Your your comfort and the degree to which you enjoy the ride, right? And so you could take like a big 50-pound mountain bike and ride 100 miles on the road outside, on the country roads outside of Memphis. You could do it, right? It would be, it would function that way. But it may not be the most like enjoyable experience. Yeah. And And when you get, sort of a bike that's tailored for, you know, it's been built and constructed and thought about and designed for a specific task, you know, that sort of the, the, the specialization of bicycles, you, that, that's when you begin to notice, you know, this is why people own three and four and five different bicycles to try to, you know, have one that's keyed in or dialed in to a specific type of riding more so than the other one. And so the hybrid you've been riding, right, is sort of like a is like sort of like general all purpose bicycle. Yep. And yeah, when you start moving into some, some of the more specialized things, uh, you, you definitely notice the quality and, and the, the comfort difference between the bicycles. Um, yeah, it, it, you know, on the other hand, it's also like, you know, this really nice road bike, right. That gives you the power on the road is not the kind of bike that you would want to ride on the trail. Right. Exactly. And so, you know, the the flip side to that is that when you start, you know, dig, dialing in sort of like your bicycles to types of riding, it then requires you to get more bicycles, which, you know, is fine if that's your thing. See, yeah, that's where I'm like, I'm afraid maybe it's like a slippery slope. Like I've dipped my toe in, but maybe I should just like go on back to my all purpose bikes and not get razzled and dazzled by 
all of this other opportunity. Cause now I actually have never really understood why people have a ton of bikes. Cause yep. I don't think I actually got like how your ride could be more efficient or like what dialing in meant mm-hmm. until this week, <laughs> which sounds like crazy. Cause, but I really like the gear and like what bikes works. has just been like, not something I've spent any amount of time thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I went through, you know, I went through a phase, which I think is pretty natural for a lot of people, where you accumulate bicycles, right? I mean, at some point, there were a lot of bicycles in my house. And <laughs> How much is a lot? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I bet there were six or seven. Which, yeah, which, okay. I mean, by some standards, may not be a lot. Um, but, you know, at some point along the way, it, it was pretty evident, right, that I was riding certain bikes more than others. And that was because... Uh, you know, a majority of my riding was for commuting or for you know commuting to and from work or to- going to the grocery store or going to the park. It wasn't for, you know, long distance riding or racing or mountain biking. It was the, it was the things that were, were practical for me in my life did not center around having really highly specialized bicycles um, to sort of, you know, serve very specific purposes. And so I just made a decision, you know, at some point in my past that I would, that I didn't need all of those extra bicycles. If I was going to do something like that, you know, I could probably borrow one from somebody or, you know, rent one that would sort of, you know, accomplish the same task. And I didn't need to have, you know, to own it. And by not owning as many bicycles, I could own more Star Wars toys. And that's, that's really where I went with the whole thing. <laughs> so how many Star Wars toys do you have? Lots. <laughs> I have lots of Star Wars toys. You can't even give like, do you have like 300 individual Star Wars toys? Uh, I would bet it's more than that. Dang. Yeah. It, most of it's still in storage because we just don't have, we just don't have the room for it here in our How house. How does that make you feel? Like, what are you going to do with those, all those Star, Star Wars toys? Do you know what, Here's what I've been doing. I've actually been selling a bunch of them. Uh, downsizing the collection from all these, like I, I have, I have tons of like big pieces, you know, big like spaceships and um, play sets and stuff like that. So I've, I've been selling those and I've been buying more expensive, like say higher end star Wars toys that are small. Oh, <laughs> so, you know, it sounds I, like you're justifying some things. It sounds like, yeah, I mean, my PayPal account might be, you know, the unofficial Star Wars toy <laughs> account that we have. <laughs> Carrie, Carrie's always like, oh, you got another box today. I was like, cool, my new toy came. <laughs> Don't worry. I paid for it with my Star Wars money. <laughs> um, You're just like trading. Really? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, essentially. Essentially. So, I've yeah, I've, I've been selling some stuff off. You know, just again, it's sort of like this thing. It's like, it's like with the water bottles that we talked about. This is a theme for the show. The water bottles. I talked about the bikes. You know, it's about, it's about being able to sort of, you know, purge things when, when necessary. And, uh, yeah, right now I've been purging some Star Wars. So I would say it's the one thing when we moved to Colorado that I didn't purge. Like I just sort of boxed everything up and put it in the truck. And after we got here, it was pretty evident that we didn't have enough room to store uh, well, let alone like display everything that I had, but we don't have enough, we don't have enough space in our house to store all this stuff. And so, you know, it's being stored in a, in a basement right now, uh, my parents' basement. And I've just been 
I've just been selling a little bit, making some, making some moolah and then spending that moolah. An entrepreneur. Well, I wouldn't Star go. Star Warspreneur. I wouldn't go that far. Eh, whatever. It's so, on record now. So what kind of bike are you thinking about? Are you thinking about getting? Now I don't know. Um, I've been interested in fixed gear. Mm-hmm. But I really liked, I don't need a cyclocross bike, but I liked like the road, like a road bike that has like a thicker tire. Yeah. Where you're like kind of lower. I don't know. Your weight is distributed in a more efficient way. Cause I really enjoyed the cyclocross bike in terms mm-hmm. of like how I rode and yep. like being efficient. So yep. I've been thinking about that very yep. strongly. Here's my two cents. The, the the unofficial Kyle Wagner shoots yep. guide to buying a bike. I'll just share your, my personal experience. And you know, a lot of this has to do with sort of my motivations for writing, but I, I think we're pretty similar in that, in that vein. So, yeah. um, so I have, I have a fixed gear bike, just so you know, it's the, it's the very first bike that I ever built at revolutions, um, with, you know, with our friend Anthony and Jessica Buttermore. And so it's, it's a bike that I keep for sentimental reasons. It also, mm-hmm. if I'm just want to have like fun while I'm riding, it's not a bike that I use for like long distance riding, um, or any kind of commuting or with the kids. It doesn't really serve any of those purposes well, but, but I have that it's, it's just, it basically just sits here and I look at it sometimes. The bike that I use every single day is what's known as a touring bicycle. A touring bicycle. I'm not familiar with that. So it's like a road bicycle, but the geometry is set up for like long distance bicycle touring, like where you would go on like on a camping Mm -hmm. trip and you might have all of your camping gear attached to your bicycle. And so the bike sits a little bit lower to the ground than a traditional road bike. Okay. Uh, it, the re, the geometry is a little bit more relaxed than a traditional road bike, but not as like not as relaxed as your hybrid bicycle would be. And you get all the benefits of sort of the road bike, right? You get sort of like um, you get sort of all the kinds of components. You get sort of the the larger wheelbase, but with the ability to add thicker tires to mm-hmm. it. Um, it handles like a road bike. You get the efficiency of a road bike, but you also get this this comfort level of because it's a little bit lower to the ground, when you do put stuff on it, it's it's pretty stable. Um, oh, that, that's nice. that's that's sort of because I thing. do carry things like I pick up groceries. Yeah, yeah I've got a, I've got a rear rack on mine and a front rack on mine. Yeah, um, and so and and with all these and shipping all these Star Wars toys, you should see me in the morning. So like I'm I pack them up at the house and then I strap all these boxes to my <sighs> bike in the morning and I ride them into downtown Boulder. And my the post office is like two blocks from my office, and so. You know, here I am. I got all these boxes, and Ethan, Ethan gets upset on days that I have to ship because he he likes to ride on the rear rack to school, and the days that I have to ship, he has to ride his own bike. Oh, um, what a bummer! But yeah, but I would. But here, I mean, here's the thing: the, the touring bike is is awesome. You know, it has all road bike components, so like the shifters and the brakes and the gears and the wheels are all just sort of standard stock things that you would buy for a road bike. So you get all the efficiency out of that, and. I get a geometry that's a little more comfortable for, you know, than, than a road bike would be, you know, right. this bike is not built for speed and for racing, but it is, but it is built for you to sit in the saddle for like a hundred miles at a time, you know, ride your bike across the country. And, and that's, that, that's the bike that I use every single day for everything. I'm going to explore that. Cause it's like, I don't care about going fast. Yep. 
But I do care about like maybe being like more efficient and like feeling better. The touring bike I'm going to explore. It'll be my next on my list of bikes I try out. <laughs> um, the other thing about the touring bike that's different than cyclocross or the racing bike is that it has lots of built-in attachments for you to attach things to your bike. So, you know, putting a putting a rear rack onto a, a road bike isn't isn't intuitive or isn't a part of the nature of the road bike. You're not going to find like, a screw hole for you to screw the screw in. You're going to have to buy a clamp that clamps onto the frame in an awkward way. Um, the touring bike sort of rectifies that a little bit as well. Ooh, good. I love, I like accessories. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, you know, we just uh, have wrapped up a really great series of interviews with people surrounding you know, the subject matter of intersectionality. I'm curious to know if you, you know, what, what are your thoughts after, after having, you know, concluded all of those interviews, re-listened to them, you know, do you have any sort of epiphanies or big takeaways from all of that? I think a big takeaway for me, and it's something I know, but I think it's always helpful to like hear it from the perspective it comes from is kind of with our discussions with Aisha and Dr. Brown about, kind of like people's lived experiences. And if you live in a community where people aren't biking or if you are in a sport where there's no one that looks like you at a professional or even semi-professional level, like you don't even necessarily are aware that those are like options or paths to go down. Mm -hmm. Um, And while that's something, you know, we both know from our work and studies and reading, um, I think hearing it from people who have actually lived that experience for me was really powerful with this series is just kind of being kind of like humbled about my experiences and others, people's experiences and just being, I think more kind of like self-aware about where people are coming from. Yeah. So that was really kind of like on a personal level, like really interesting for me. What about you? You know, one thing that uh, Charles Brown said on the episode, which was, which was really interesting. I thought was, this need to continue to name the problems that exist in society and this need to continue to continue to say and to repeat after time after time after time again, you know, that these problems exist and we have to address them every single time. Because, you know, sometimes I feel like in this work, particularly for, you know, people that work in, in front of the public, right. And they're, they're, they're part of their job and part of their responsibility is to, help educate, you know, other people about, about these kinds of things, you know, in terms of, you know, how do we go about planning? How do we promote bicycles? You know, people that are sort of speaking a lot to people, I think can sometimes get burnt out by having to say the same things over and over again as an example of that. Um, so, I mean, since 2010, I've been invited to speak about, you know, how do you do these things in your neighborhood? You know, how do Mm -hmm. you go about, you know, running and, you know, or originating a pop-up infrastructure project, or how do you, how do you, you know, convince the city to do this? Or, or what are the kinds of things that, what are the kinds of materials you would use to make this pop-up infrastructure? And it feels like and to some degree, you know, for seven years now that I've been giving that same talk over and over and over again, that, you know, and, and to some degree, it feels like it's a, a little bit of old news, right? You know, this thing that, this thing that you helped out with in Sarah in Memphis on Broad Avenue mm-hmm. back in 2010 is still relevant to so many communities today in 2017. But, you know, the act of 
the act of you and I being asked to go talk about it feels a feels a little bit repetitious. I think at this point, right? We we could give that talk in our sleeps, yep, um, and be pretty. You know, it 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 has the potential to be pretty. You know, un, we we can be pretty unpassionate about it because because we've talked about it so much. But and I so you know one of the questions we were talking to Charles in the interview was you know does does he ever you know sort of feel that way about discussing inequities that exist in neighborhoods right you know we we the same problems that we're naming today that existed in our communities across this country are the same problems they were naming in the 90s and the same problems they were naming in the 70s and the same problems they were naming in the 50s and 60s you know to 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 varying degrees of influence but i think it was really a really important answer and, you know and it really sort of helped you know sort of shape my perspective a little bit in, in saying you know Charles saying, you know, that it's important to continue to name them um, because they haven't actually gone anywhere. Um, and, you know, I don't and I don't want to equate sort of, you know, the importance of talking about quick build protected bicycle lanes with, you know, trying to remove the structural, you know, and racial inequities that exist within our country. They're 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 on two different scales and entirely. Um, but, you know, the idea that um, you know, not talking about race and not talking about the inequities actually gives them more power. And by by speaking to them um, and by naming them for what they are and pointing them out, we can actually we can actually work to make them, um, you know, less influential in, in how how cities do business. Yeah, absolutely. That was so. That was my my takeaway. I thought I thought it was super. The whole the whole series of guests. Um, you know, had a, had a great time with all of them. And, you know, to some degree, somebody was, uh, somebody was talking to me about the podcast recently and they asked, you know, like, you know, like how do we get guests or whatever? And, um, you know, part of it, I said was that we just find people that we would, that we want to talk to like in general, Mm -hmm. right. These are people that I would like probably call up on the telephone and have a conversation with. Um, we just sort of hit record, um, in a certain ways and, and, as much as we hope the podcast is a way for other people to learn about bicycling and bicycle planning and the role that bicycles can have in our communities, um, I think you and I are as much the students as uh, any of our listeners actually are. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I can't tell you. I still go back and, and I think there's episodes that I've listened to now, you know, four or five times because they have such valuable information and yeah it's like recording this like crazy smart person you want to pick their brain on and now we get to have it forever yeah i can't tell you the number of times i've like have been having a conversation with somebody and then i'm like oh you know i just talked to so and so and here's what they said and you know i like i'm quoting i'm quoting people uh who are actually recording a podcast with us <laughs> like but like like we were having like an actual you know, um, sort of, you know, personal conversation and, and that's, and that's, and that's, that's the way I hope, you know, the podcast is for, uh, for most of our listeners. I agree. And so our next theme is local advocacy. Whoa, local advocacy. Whoa. Yeah. We're going to be talking with, you know, the leaders of a bunch of local advocacy groups across the country. Um, it's not anything new for us, right? We've the last year or so, we've actually had some some really great, um, you know, executive directors and program managers for advocacy groups on the show already. Um, this time, though, around, you know, we're just sort of saying, hey, the next six weeks, it's all going to be about local advocacy. Um, I'm interested to know, you know, I think we did, what we explored 
last year with some of our guests was the ways in which local advocacy has been changing over right. the la- over the last decade or so. Um, and I, and I think that those changes are actually still occurring, you know, changes are changes in bike advocacy are happening across the country. Um, and whether that's at the national state or local level, those changes are, are, are having an impact on the ways in which, you know, traditional bike advocacy has been done. And I'm really interested to see, because I think we've got a group for the, that represents a pretty diverse, you know, set of cities across the country. Um, they have different and unique challenges and opportunities that exist there. Um, they have different um, points of, of interest and points of focus as it relates to inequities, right? They all sort of have their own different story, their different case study that they're dealing with in their community. And so I'm interested to know, you know, how they're, you know, facing some of those tasks uh, in the face of what's sort of changing uh, on, on a national scale around advocates. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm excited to kind of how do they define inequity. Um, I'm also really interested in like metrics, whether they're qualitative or quantitative, but like what does success on a local advocacy level actually look like for your community and how do you kind of come to that? How do you really decide like what success looks like or what even failure looks like? Because it'll be different, you know, community by community. I, I, I'm really interested to sort of ask some questions about the degree to which the advocacy groups, you know, go about running programs and how do they target those programs? And, you know, given, given the unique circumstances that they're in, the environments that they operate in, you know, are there things that every advocacy group should be doing across the country, right? Are there other common themes that we begin to see from, you know, six or seven great advocacy groups or are there really sort of unique special things that are happening here um, that could be an inspiration to people other, otherwise. And I, yes. I'm also really interested in this is, I have, I guess I'm really interested in this topic because I keep saying that I'm really interested. You're in this. really interested. Really interested. Um, but I am really interested to know how these advocacy groups interface and interact with other advocacy groups in their cities. And so, you know, there's, Ooh, you know, that is, I'm degree, very interested in that as well. Oh, we're all just very interested. Um, <laughs> You know, the degree to which uh, a bike advocacy group is cooperating and working in tandem with public transportation advocacy or affordable housing advocacy or community redevelopment advocacy or, you know, any of those kinds of other groups that sort of exist in cities. um, How how do how in what ways can bike advocacy be helpful to other to other kinds of issues that are happening in communities? Um, and in what ways do they find, you know, that, that, that actually benefits, benefits the work around bicycling? Yeah. I'm also actually Anthony Syracuse and I had lunch on Friday and we were talking about our work with Bike Walk Tennessee, which is a statewide walking and pedestrian advocacy group that we've talked about before because Kyle and I have both served as treasurers for this organization. And we were kind of talking about, you know, when you're talking to funders or stakeholders or even communities, like how are you defining advocacy? Is advocacy different than community engagement? It's different than activism. Like, really, like, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it means something different for every organization. Um, but we really kind of got into this academic conversation about, you know, what is like, what does it mean when we're saying when Bike Walk Tennessee wants people to be advocates and wants to do the work of advocacy? Like, what do we actually like mean 
by that, like not take for granted that anyone knows what it means, um, kind of like help define what we're looking for in our funders or stakeholders or residents. And so I'd love to know people's perspectives on like, is advocacy like what does even like look like in your city? Like maybe it looks more like community engagement or maybe it looks more like activism. I'd be really interested in that. <laughs> we should take, interested feels like a word we have to cut. Uh, I think after this episode, it probably will be. <laughs> I'm really interested to know. Um, <laughs> oh gosh. Sundays are tough, man. It's just starting the new week, being interested about so many things. <laughs> we should actually, this would be, we should maybe use these brilliant questions we're interested in to help frame our conversations. Yeah. I think we're going to have to uh, listen back to this episode with like a pen and paper and write yeah. them down. All I these, kind of think we're on to something. I'd be really interested to know, Sarah, what you think. Um, <laughs> but I'd be really interested to know what you're really interested in. <laughs> Kyle, that's a really interesting Thank you. point. Thank you. Thank you. How many people have stopped listening to the podcast at this point? I don't. I think they stopped at like minute 10. No one's left. When, when, the, when the intro is water bottle collection. Uh, <laughs> yeah, my, everyone just was like, I'm going to sign up. Sayonara. Bike nerds. <laughs> my theory about water bottles. And people were like, nah. <laughs> They've probably heard it before from you as well. It's not like a well-rehearsed water bottle theory, not a new philosophy. Actually, actually you know, I, w- I was thinking about it during my run this morning. I was like, I was like, how should we transition from this new like ad copy to the content of the show? I was like, let's talk about water bottles for a little bit. People love that. Have, so there's juicy. A, there's a lot of time to think about things like that when you are running six miles. It just gives it just gives your brain so much time to think, and I think that's why bite, uh, why running sucks so much. <laughs> you just got all the time. Yeah, yeah. Just all the time. Because if you sing to yourself, other people around you think that's weird. Um, have you tried that out? No, but I saw some people doing it, and I was like, "That's weird. I'm not going to do that." I that is weird. Like I respect <laughs> the like bravery. Yeah. That I think that you would need. To do that, but I think it's weird. Yeah. I recently, there's this guy that bikes around Memphis that I occasionally see, and he sings out loud to himself. And I think that just takes a lot of courage. Is it Midtown Eric? <laughs> uh, I don't think it's Midtown Eric. Does Midtown Eric do that? Yeah, do you know Midtown Eric? No. Yeah, Midtown Eric sings a lot. Maybe we'll have to, Maybe you can snap a photo of him one, one time soon. I will. We can profile him, see who it is. <laughs> Midtown Eric rides a lot of bikes uh, and sings a lot. Yeah, so yeah, you could ask you could ask somebody locally about who Midtown Eric is, and you could probably okay. get a good sense of of Midtown Eric. I may know who he is. I'm just not identifying him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, hey, before we wrap up, any good pickups at the farmers market yesterday? I didn't go to the farmers market yesterday. Well, that's a good answer. No, I saw that our friend Chris Peterson had duck eggs for sale. Oh. I missed it. I am going. He's having like a turkey party out at his farm. So I'm going to go out there in March. Cool. And see his baby goats. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, I think it will. Chelsea, Did you go to the farmer's market yesterday? No, Chelsea won yesterday, but we couldn't We couldn't stream the We couldn't stream the game. It was on some weird channel that we didn't get. So I had to watch like the play-by-play on my phone. You ever done that for sports? No. It's the worst. <laughs> I'll it's, never do it. It's I feel- like so-and-so passed the ball. <laughs> So and so passed the ball. 
ball was but kicked. But Chelsea won. That's Chelsea, all that matters. Chelsea won. Right? They beat they beat the Wolverhampton Wanderers two to zero. Nice. Go Chelsea. Um, go on the backs of goals from Pedro and Diego Costa. Go Diego. That's right. That's right. So, you know, things continue to move along. Um, I'm in fourth place in my fantasy league. Just to give you a little heads up. I know you you, you appreciate all these. Um, And Ethan is off of school tomorrow and I'm off of work. Fantastic. What are you guys going to do? Anything fun? No, I think um, (laughs) I didn't tell my mom that I was off of work. So she's coming to pick up the kids. Carrie has to work. So she's going to be asleep. I'm not sure what I'm going to do. Maybe I'll go on a long bike ride. That sounds nice. You can get your recreation rides in. Yeah, I'd be really interested interested in what happens with your bicycle ride today. And then if you could be equally interested in my bicycle ride tomorrow, um, we, have, we might have enough content for the next show. Sounds good. I will take lots of mental notes on my bike out to Shelby Farms. All right. So just... As a reminder to everybody, the next couple of weeks, we're going to be talking to leaders of local advocacy groups. And if you want to get your hands on a free water bottle from Saris, they're giving away 25 free water bottles. That, that's enough water bottles for like a posse of people to be rolling deep with Saris water bottles. Uh, if you and all and 24 of your friends want free water bottles from Saris, all you have to do is go to sarasparking.com slash bike nerds. Uh, sarasparking.com slash bike nerds. Just put your email address in, enter a win, enter to win a free water bottle. Um, we'll, if you, if you want to, we will, uh, we'll read your, we'll read your name as a part of the winners. Uh, oh, after we'll read March all 2nd. 25 winners. Yeah. That, that'll take up at least 10 minutes of, of content, Thank right? God. I'd be really interested to know who the 25 <laughs> winners are going to be. <laughs> and I think we've decided from now on, uh, we are no longer going to say, really interested to we are dot, no dot, longer dot. really interested in anything but this was a very interesting episode it was thanks right. sarah talk thanks, soon Kyle. talk soon bye everybody bye the bike nerds podcast is a joint production of the bike nerds sarah and kyle and the oam network based in memphis tennessee for more information visit the oam network.com slash the bike nerds want to nerd out more find us on the web at the bike nerds podcast.com on twitter at the bike nerds and on facebook the bike nerds podcast drop us a note or recommend another bike nerd to have on the show by sending us an email at the bike nerds podcast at gmail.com Maybe it's me. It's strange. I don't understand how any of this works. It's like magic. I don't. I don't know how any of this works. None of it. It truly is like magic. Like it's like the internet, an airplane, boiling water. It's all magic to me. <laughs> magnets. Magnets. Are magic for sure. I think that you and the insane clown posse have that in common. Then. 